Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to an exciting juicy solo episode (laughs) of the soul's way podcast today i am so excited you're here before we dive into this potent topic today of decolonizing abundance and wealth and what it really means and the original meaning of abundance and wealth an indigenized meaning if you will and view of it which i think a lot of you whether you're indigenous or indigenous or not will really appreciate and really resonate with Um, Before that, I just want to say if you're into this, if you want to hear about money from yours truly and you want to really challenge the lens, the the typical kind of lens that's out there around money and manifestation and quantum leaping and quantum codes and money codes and all of this stuff, which yes, there is, there is a, those things play a role, right? Energy matters. The law of attraction is real, all of that, but you're also craving like a real with the times, like <laughs> non-fluffy, non-BS, like nitty-gritty, real and raw um, money teachings, what actually moved the needle for me personally in my money journey from um, almost $30,000 in debt, mostly coaching debt, business debt, to now debt-free, thriving, building an investment portfolio, having an investment property, and all of this wonderful abundance then I invite you to join me for my new three-part course. It's a mini course. I'm teaching it live and I'm offering it free for a limited time. It's called Down to Earth Money Lessons. And you can join me by going to emilyannbrandt.com slash down to earth or by clicking the link that is linked up in this episode. So if you just take your finger and swipe up or down wherever you're listening to this podcast, you should see it linked there as well. And just Put your name and email in and you will be on the list to join us February 20th to the 22nd for this exciting live three-part course. So I hope to see you in there. But for now, let's talk about all things decolonizing wealth, indigenizing wealth and abundance, really reframing the way that we look at and embrace money. Because money is something that is so hard, especially for those of you who have the biggest, most generous, most beautiful hearts who care about decolonization, like truly dismantling colonialism and truly care about social equity, social justice, social impact. This is for you because I know that you struggle to embrace something that has brought um, so many people a lot of harm. And when I say something, I'm referring to capitalism, right? 
this this chase for money, for individual gain, for you know wealth and status and um, individual personal gain without um, paying attention to that impacts on the collective or the impacts on the environment. And obviously, we've seen just how much harm um, capitalism really does, and what think people have done and big companies have done and are doing in the name of individual greed and gain and at the expense of humans and at the expense of our mother, the earth. And so how do you embrace something that's done so much bad in the world? That's what I want to talk about in this episode to kind of prime you as we head into down to earth money lessons, because this is something we aren't even going to really fully, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing down to earth money lessons and the whole program that I have coming up, which um, is going to be revealed at Down to Earth Money Lessons. So I'm so excited to, I can't wait to tell you more. I know I've been teasing it for a while. It'll finally be revealed at DTE. But all of that is, of course, going to have this anti oppression lens, this decolonized lens, because obviously, <laughs> um, but it's something that I don't have, I'm, I'm not like planning to deep dive on inside DTE. So this is a perfect um, primer for that, to listen to it first, just to even get yourself in the mindset of being able to embrace the concept of wealth. Okay, so what is inspiring this episode is a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things lately. One being a conversation I had last night with um, some folks in my decolonized, uh, the decolonized coach community. We have a community call twice a month. We don't record them. We just show up live. Um, they're super intimate. We share whatever is raw and real, whatever we're working through, whatever we're uh, moving through. If they're on a specific module and they want to share their takeaways, we do that. But anyways, last night we ended up chatting a lot about um, the concept of sharing and how. Um, like, so one of my clients was saying that they were reading a book and it was written by an indigenous author who was sharing a little bit about um, a different concept than they had ever heard on, on sharing and how for many um, indigenous communities, I don't want to, I don't ever want to perpetuate like pan-indigeneity because we're all super unique. There's so many indigenous cultures with an S, right? It's not like indigenous culture, but in many indigenous cultures, and communities, um, sharing is actually just so a normal, or it was before colonization, a normal part of existence. Like it was just kind of, well, the mother, our mother, the earth shares with us. We are gifted every single day with, with water, with food, with nutrients, with medicines, right? Like the strawberries are a gift. They're not a commodity that we can put for sale and profit off of. So it's just like we are provided for and we are given gifts. And so, and we live in communities, we live in tribes, we live with our clans, systems, right? And of course, when we're literally living together in such close proximity with our community members, like, you know, again, before all of this, all of these systems were disrupted we would have been literally living in either teepees or um our longhouses or igloos right depending on which nation we're talking about here which communities but we would have literally let's say my people the haudenosaunee we would have literally been living in one longhouse <laughs> a longhouse sharing um you know, the fire that we cook all of our food on and sharing food that is hunted, sharing the berries that are gathered, sharing the, um, the furs that are collected for warmth and for clothing. 
And it just would not make sense for me as an individual part of this community. Let's say I go out and I hunt and I, I collect a bunch of I, fur, right? Like, let's just say I hunt, I skin an animal, I have all this fur to keep myself warm, but I'm just making a pile in my little corner of the longhouse and I'm just folding all of these fur blankets that I've created for myself just to see how many I could collect. And my community member over there sitting across from me is freezing. It doesn't have anything to cover their body. But I'm just going to be over here in the corner collecting a pile of blankets that I don't need when my fellow community member is struggling and freezing. Like, you just wouldn't do that. It does. It's like, of course I'm going to give you a blanket when you're cold and I know you're going to give me a blanket when I'm cold and of course I'm going to give you a bowl of this soup when you're hungry just like I know you're going to give me some of your strawberries when I'm hungry right it's like of course we take care of each other of course we share that's just what community does and so many many groups like took that so far and had that so deeply ingrained that um one of my elders even taught me like we didn't originally have a word for thank you in Mohawk in our language um, it's I mean it's a newer word that was created but we didn't originally have the word thank you like Nyawagoa is how you say thank you because we didn't really um, we didn't really thank each other because it was that that's how expected it was that we would like of course we're going to care for each other. Of course, we're going to share resources. Of course, we're just out here like helping each other survive. That's like, what else would we do, right? And obviously, that's not to say that everything was a perfect utopia and like no one ever fought and no one ever disagreed. But um, when there was disagreement, it would be talked about as a community. There would be, you know, a council. There would be um, meetings to address the issue. There would be um, when there was extreme fighting, of course, we have the story of our peacemaker who came along to spread the message of peace and to stop the fighting and literally bury the hatchet. So there's so much more I could say about the, the ways that we were living and how sustainable that would have been and how beautiful that would have been if we would have been able to keep living like that and keep caring for one another, caring for the land. Everything was rooted in and is still rooted in respect for the land, greeting all of creation before we do anything else with, yes, with gratitude. Um, but even, yeah, even in our, I guess it does say we give our greetings and our thanks in our opening address, the words before all else um, in Mohawk culture. But like, I've heard another version of it that's more like we give, we store up our positive energy. We give our greetings and all of our positive energies to um, the mother earth to the our brother the sun to um, the four winds right the four directions to the animals to the four-legged friends to the bugs to the insects to the medicines to the foods that sustain us like um, that was just part like we greet those we acknowledge those we give them positive energy and now you could say our thanks but it was it was like yeah of course we're cared for and of course we care for each other so it was a really good conversation about the concept of sharing and should you teach your children to share or is that going to make them entitled and make them expect others to share with them? And the conclusion of that conversation was like, no, I want them, I want them to, uh, I want to teach them to share whenever possible and like the importance of sharing. And it was just really, really enjoyable conversation to revisit this indigenous concept of sharing. And it made me, um, that and a few other things <laughs> that I'm noticing online recently, 
Um, and obviously it's super aligned with down to earth money lessons coming up um, and my other program, um, the bigger program that's coming up soon, that's opening soon on money is like, I'm seeing a lot online around how if you're a healer or if you are an activist or an advocate or a decolonization person or you're saying that you stand for liberation and and collective liberation then you shouldn't be making a profit on your business or you shouldn't be making a big profit in your business and y'all i have (laughs) a lot to say i have words on that i completely disagree I understand where that sentiment is coming from and we're wanting to veer away from capitalism, which has created so much harm, which is a system that does oppress and does look out for the ones that are, you know, at the top holding the most power, holding the most privilege. Um, Obviously, like, it is a system that is doing a lot of harm. However, I personally, I don't think that by not participating in quote unquote capitalism, which I guess in some people's view means not making a profit, that does not solve anything. I don't think personally, unless the whole entire world is somehow going to get on board and be like, yep, we're not participating in capitalism. So we're not going to buy anything from anywhere ever, except that it's 2024. And that's probably not true. You're probably going to buy clothes and food and pay your rent and you're going to need to buy the things that you need to survive in 2024 in today's client. Like wealth is a resource and it is whether we like it or not, we don't have our clan systems anymore, our communities, our indigenous tribal ways of being. We do need money as a resource to survive, A, for ourselves. But I would also argue, B, to make the difference that we want to make. Wealth is power. Money equals voting power. When you don't have money, you cannot support the change that you want to see as rapidly as you can when you have money. I shouldn't say that you can't support it because, of course, you can use your voice. You can protest. You can march. You can um, volunteer your time. But time is also money. Time is also a really scarce thing when you are, you are just trying to survive and pay your bills and you are now working two jobs just to make end meets and burning yourself out and charging you know, nothing or close to nothing for your healing services because you believe that that makes you somehow, like, I hate to say it, but you think that that somehow makes you morally superior or means that you are not with the man or whatever it is. I just don't. I completely disagree. Um, and I think a lot of that mindset that we have to suffer in, and be in this like martyrdom and servitude, that is actually programming from colonial and Christian um, forces, right? That actually, that concept of like being humble and being in poverty and being, you know, happy with like nothing and struggling is actually like a very, I mean, it's been twisted, but it's a very... Um, Christian Catholic message, right? That in order to serve God and be good, you need to be humble and um, struggling. So that that's gotten ingrained in a lot of us too, whether or not we would consider ourselves Christian or Catholic. Um, and then it's also everywhere in the in the world of like activism and anti-racism. We see that martyrdom, we see that servitude, and we and I get it, I get it. 
So I'm, I just want to help you reconcile your relationship with money because reconciliation is what I do best. I had this aha the other day that I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people that just need like, just need to reconcile with money and realize money itself is literally neutral. Like money itself hasn't caused the harm. Money itself has not caused the suffering. Money itself has not caused the extraction, the greed of money at the expense of all others has caused a lot of harm. Yes, the pursuit of it in ways that are icky, that are disgusting, extractive, and causing pain. Absolutely. But money itself is just the resource. And again, we are in 2024. Whether it's going to be physical cash or it's all going to be digital, that money is a resource we all need, A, to survive, to be in good health, to take care of ourselves, and B, I would argue, to take care of our communities as well. Excuse me, I had a hiccup. Um, To take care of our communities as well. So I am here to help you reconcile your relationship with money and stop seeing money as the root of all evil or the culprit of the evil and the harm in fact it is what is being done with the money because if it wasn't money like if it wasn't like cash coins right dollar bills that we have today there still would have been some sort of energy exchange some sort of trading system right as indigenous folks before the introduction of like coins and dollar bills we still used trading and bartering we still would trade like you know, furs and pelts and fish and whatever we had as a way to show that energetic exchange and that reciprocity and or it was like, well, of course, I'm going to give you some food now because you're hungry and I know you're going to give me food later when I'm hungry. Um, And of course, the introduction of the colonial toxic individual way of being has completely disrupted that sense of trust has completely disrupted the sense of community and now we are in this truly scarcity mindset this is the kick this is what like i really want to rant about today (laughs) this is the thing the real scarcity mindset is this toxic individual thinking that I have to stash up that pile of blankets over here. Meanwhile, someone else in my community member is freezing because I have to look out for me. What if nobody else does? What if she doesn't give it back when I'm cold? What if she doesn't take care of me later when I'm sick? I have to worry about me, 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 me. That's real scarcity. So what really frustrates me is all of these money coaches that are teaching from a really colonial lens And they're saying that those of you, those of me, those of us, right? Those of me, those of us who are having this need to reconcile with money, we're like, I'm afraid to embrace money because maybe you didn't have the language for it until you heard this podcast, right? But you're like, something is not clicking with me. It's not resonating with my bones. I can't seem, it's not like wired in me that as soon as I attract money, I just give it away or I just, something comes up, a bill comes up and it's like, it's gone out the door. Or um, as soon as I get a little bit ahead on my bills, another unexpected one comes in and I can't seem to like fully hold or fully embrace money. And then the colonial money coaches would come in and say, oh, you need to heal your scarcity mindset. You have a scarcity mindset. 
you have a poverty mindset. You need to have an abundant mindset that there's more than enough and it doesn't matter what the rules of society are. Money's literally unlimited to anyone who wants it and you just have to get out of scarcity mindset and tap into that abundance mindset. And that, (laughs) while there is truth to that, it really grinds my gears because I was like thinking about it today. I'm like, you know what the real scarcity mindset is? Is thinking you need to hoard all of your resources to yourself and not trusting that your community, your family, the world, the people around you are going to respond in, in reciprocity. But we've gone so far down the toxic individual, every man for themselves, every person for themselves, we've gone so far down that route that how do we come back from that? How do we come back from that? And so I would argue that embracing an abundance mindset Yes means that you're working through the the fears and the beliefs and the stories that are going to be specific to you based on your life experiences, right? We all grew up having completely different experiences with money, with stories around money, with language around money. So that we're going to work on all of that together inside my program that's coming up. And that's definitely part of it. And I would say like the real abundance mindset, the true indigenous version of abundance, it means having enough to share. That's what abundance is. It means having enough to share. And so the colonial lens has taken this word abundance, especially in this industry, it's taken this word abundance and it's really hyper colonized it. It's really capitalized it and turned it into a commodity about individual status, about individual gain, about profiting at all, over people, right? Profit at all costs. So that's what I mean when I'm saying uh, like, I agree with, with the people who are saying that a lot of people are profiting in ways that are contributing to the capitalist harms. So a lot of people are prioritizing their profit, their bottom line. There's a lot of coaches that are hyper-focused on growing their money, growing their business way more than they're focusing on the lives they're impact, the souls that they're transforming. Um, and at what cost? A lot of people are doing business in really manipulative ways, really shady ways, ways where they are drastically overcharging people and not caring what the consequence is for that person who invested that really couldn't afford to invest at this level. And then they're being coached out of a quote unquote scarcity mindset when they're saying, hey, I'm getting really stressed out. I don't think I can pay my bills and pay you for this coaching next month. And the coach is just coaching them, quote unquote, coaching them through that. That's unethical in my lens, right? So... Yes, there's harm that happens in this colonial version of abundance, but why can't we reconcile and realize that wealth itself, money itself, is not the issue? It's literally just a resource, and what we do with it is up to us. How we earn it, how we generate that income is also up to us and does not have to be in a way that's extractive and also does not have to be in a way that you are practically giving your services away for free because you think it makes you better or more morally superior or somehow that you're dismantling capitalism because you're undercharging for your services. I don't want that for you. I don't want you struggling. If you're struggling and you can't pay your own bills, guess what? You're not going to be able to pay when that GoFundMe page comes out and you really want to help your friend who's fallen on hard times. You can't because you've got to make rent. 
you can't buy my program and support me as an indigenous um, entrepreneur when you really want to and you really believe in my mission and the work I'm doing, but you can't even afford my payment plan because you yourself are struggling because you think it's wrong to charge money for your work. So therefore you can't vote for the people that you wanna see win because when you spend money, you're voting with your dollar. I'm going to say that again. When you spend money, you are voting with your dollar. This is something that I learned from Catherine Zinkina. So credit where credit is due. Shout out to Catherine um, of Manifestation Babe. I, she said this phrase, and I don't know if it was her original phrase or where she heard it, but just that's where I heard it from when I took her uh, manifestation program a few years ago. And that has really stuck with me. You vote with your dollar. It's so true. Think about it. When you choose to support a local organic farmer and buy your produce there versus buying it at a big box store like a Walmart or a big grocery store chain, you're voting with your dollar to support local farmers, to support healthier food being grown in an organic way that is good and sustainable for the earth. It is better for our bodies, but that's probably got a slightly higher price tag than the produce at the big box store. So when you don't have enough money, you don't have a choice. You have to go with the big box store or you're not going to have food on your table, right? Or you're going to have to order that, I don't know, skincare or whatever your household needs are, your shampoo, your whatever else. You're going to buy, you're going to be more likely to buy that on Amazon or on these big box stores when they're on sale, Costco, (laughs) things like that, rather than from your local business who could really use your support. And I know you want to support them, but you're like, oh, but the price tag, I just, I have to watch out for me and my family. I got to save money. I got to go with the cheaper option, even though I know that the CEO of those companies are like really doing bad things and harming the planet and not treating their employees well. But I have to, I have to go with that way because of, because of my financial situation. Right. So when you have wealth, it's the power instead to say, yeah, you know what? It's a few dollars more and I'm happy to spread it, spend it. Excuse me. I can't talk. I'm happy to spend it in this way because this is really aligned with my values. I'm happy to buy that organic local skincare instead of the big box store. I'm happy to buy the local farmers produce. I'm happy to support this indigenous business. I'm happy to support this BIPOC artist, photographer, creator, coach, mentor, speaker, and pay them what they ask and then some because that matches my values. But you can't do that when you don't have the wealth. The wealth is, it's a lot of power. Like I said, it's, of course, I know it's not everything. There is our voice. There is other ways you can ally and be a co-conspirator and take actions. Absolutely. But you can do a lot with money and you can really express your values. So having wealth doesn't have to automatically mean that you are operating in the way that the majority of capitalists, like the wealthy um, Fortune 500 companies are operating, right? You can actually accumulate wealth in a way that is in right relationship with Mother Earth, with your fellow humans, that feels like a good energetic exchange to you and your clients or customers or employers or whoever you're working with, you can actually do that in a good way. So I want to help you reconcile that relationship. 
and change your view on that. Again, reconciling, bringing people together, <laughs> bringing two different energies together. That's my gift. That's what I do best. So I got so excited when I realized, oh my gosh, embracing money from this decolonized lens is just reconciliation. And that's my jam. I um, specialize in bringing indigenous and non-indigenous folks together and helping us find those things that we have in common so we can meet heart to heart, soul to soul, eye to eye, and really have the conversations and the seeing one another and the enlightenment to come together and and <laughs> make the world a better place, which sounds corny and big and fluffy, but it's really true, right? So I want to help you reconcile with money. You can earn it in a good way and you get to spend it in a really good way. It's the fun part. It's so fun. It's been so fun this year. I've gotten to support um, several black entrepreneurs who I really respect, who I've been wanting to support for years, and now I get to. I am hiring a team, which I'm proud to say all of my virtual assistants are members of the global majority, um, who we know are traditionally like marginalized and um, systemically blocked, not blocked, but systemically we are, there's a lot more barriers for us in creating wealth. So um, I'm excited that as my company grows, we can grow together. A rising tide really does lift all boats. And because I know that your heart is good and I know you care about justice and equity for your, you know, your fellow humans and you have so much care for the land and for your fellow people that I have no issues helping you embrace wealth because I know it's going to do so many good things in your hands. Especially, I'm not saying that this is not true if you're not BIPOC, but especially as BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, or people of the global majority, as I like to say, we are, it's in our bones, it's in our DNA to be naturally like giving community-oriented people. It's in our nature because it's in our ancestral patterning. That's how we literally lived and survived was in community. So I already know that you're giving people you're going to do good with this wealth. It's just reframing it from this colonial version of abundance, which means personal gain, personal status at the expense of other people. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Do what you got to do to get yourself to the top versus an indigenous uh, view of abundance, which says abundance means having enough to share and spreading it around in ways that match my value. Because having money does not change who you are. It amplifies who you already are. I also learned that from Catherine and absolutely love it. It amplifies who you already are. So if you're already caring and you care about social impact and justice and decolonization, you're going to be able to be that and do that on a bigger scale. If you're already giving and generous, you just get to be even more giving and generous. And if you're having struggles to be giving and generous, that's okay. That scarcity mentality, the true scarcity mentality, that colonial mentality that we have to keep, keep, take, 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 everything's about power rather than service and community. We can work through that. If you have some fear, honestly, around generosity, you're giving money away, parting with any money because you have that deeply rooted scarcity, that's something we can work through together in my upcoming program. Okay, that's something that I honestly have worked through as well and I'm still working through and always like stretching myself. 
because here's the thing is a lot of people we and this is just a little side tangent and then I'll wrap up because I have to go (laughs) but we think that when I have more money I'm going to be generous like when I'm a millionaire of course I can afford to help all the causes I care about I can afford to donate to that thing and that thing and that thing and take care of this person but if you're not already doing that now even in small ways good luck And I think it was actually Tony Robbins. (laughs) Yes, I'm quoting Tony Robbins. I believe it was him that said, if you can't give away $10 out of 100, how are you going to give away 10,000 out of 100,000? If you can't part with, right? If you can't part with 10 out of $100, how are you going to part with $10,000 when you have 100,000? So practice now. I'm going to give you some practices that I personally use to um, to distribute my money in ways that feels good. Um, and yeah, practices I have for looking at my money, for stretching uh, my ability to give, to receive, to manage my my wealth and actually making it fun because I've learned to embrace it and look at it and all this cool stuff that we're going to cover starting with down to earth money lessons. So I really hope to see you there. It's going to be so much fun. If you loved this conversation, you're going to absolutely love it. And it's free for a limited time. Um, And then it'll be for sale um, for around $100. So grab it right now while it's free. In February 2024, it's happening from the 20th to the 22nd. Each night at 8 p.m. Eastern because 8 p.m., 8 p.m., 8 p.m. equals 888. And 8 is a really good number for money manifestation. It's the number of abundance in numerology. So um if you can't make it live there's going to be a replay as long as you've signed up for it so sign up get your email put in and i will see you there and i'll see you in the next podcast episode thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you soon thank you again so so much for listening if you would like to thank me in return if you got any value insights new perspectives or you just appreciated this episode or enjoyed this episode The best way to thank a podcaster is to share with others, spread the love, spread the magic, take a screenshot of the episode, share it on your Instagram or TikTok stories, and tag me at Emily Ann Brandt so I can personally thank you for tuning in and stay connected. This is truly a community that we are building here, and I love staying in connection with you. I look forward to talking to you again soon and I'm sending you so much love and gratitude.